You're listening to a podcast of the Sunday morning message from Grace Christian Church in the city of Cork on the beautiful south coast of Ireland. We hope and pray that it will be a blessing to you. Thank you, guys. God bless you. Thank you. Just to say as well as uh, after the service or the, the meeting here ends, we've got a beautiful area on the top floor. If you are new here, we call it the atrium, big glass roof. And that's where we hang out and do community. There's free tea and coffee. And uh, there was a whole load of uh, pots of beautiful exotic fruits given out for free as well. So thank you to Cormac Dunley. I don't know if Cormac is in here or downstairs. But anyway, um, I don't know. Is there any left or did the early bunch... Okay, so the early bunch, they were really hungry, you know. It was kind of like their breakfast, but there should be still some up there for you. So, will we give Cormac a round of applause? He brought them all in. Thank you, Cormac. One of the biggest issues that we're facing in society today is mental health. It seems to be increasing. When I was a teenager growing up here in Cork, nobody spoke about any mental health issue, really. People were pushed away into institutions. And if someone had anxiety or panic or depression, you kind of hid it. Perhaps some women felt comfortable sharing it with another woman, but usually, particularly for men, nobody spoke about it at all. And what did guys do and what did a lot of people do? They turned to the bottle. And so they drowned their sorrows and tried to cope with all of these feelings of inadequacy and the anxiety and the panic by droning it out. And you know what? Our strapline for this church, you see it on our Windows website literature, is real people in a real church. And that's not meant to be some advertising thing. That's a declaration that when you come through this door, you don't have to put on a mask. Amen? You and I can be real. And if we're low, and if we're hurting, that's okay. This and every Christian church really should be like a hospital. A lot of people might need it, might be really strong, but every one of us hits a low patch And we should know the healing of God in our lives when we come to church and gather with God's people. And that's not just for our physical bodies, but it's particularly for our minds and our emotions as well. So about three or four months ago, I started talking about this, did it one Sunday, interviewed Brian Sinnott as well, just about... um, mental health and and anxiety and how it's exploding. Perhaps people are just talking about it now in the way they didn't before. We are told by a lot of the professionals that because of the huge use of hash and a lot of drug taking, it is hugely increasing paranoia and mental health issues. The lie is that smoking hash doesn't do you any harm. It messes up your head. It really does. It messes up your head and it gives you a whole load of strange things going on. So stay away from it. Will anyone say amen? amen. It's not cool. It's stupid. So stay away from it. And I know because I used smoke it at one time. And it really does not do you any good at all. God sets us free. So mental health is a huge thing. And uh, when I was on holidays in July, I remember walking through the woods near where we were staying. And I felt the Lord... Or the Holy Spirit just put this thought or pattern in my heart and it's how many of us had our childhood stolen from us by a parent or a teacher or an older sibling or a neighbor or a relative. And some of us have had seasons in our adult lives stolen from us, maybe because of a death 
or an illness or an addiction. And there's all different ways our lives or seasons can be stolen from us. And I felt the Lord saying, when it comes to the head and to the heart, he's the one who sets us free. And God will set us free. So I pray, Lord Jesus, that your word would not just comfort us, but instruct us and even challenge us as to how we should go forward from this place today. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to begin with a quotation from someone born in Ireland, but uh, one of a fantastic academic, brilliant mind, a great author. Many of his books have been uh, turned into movies as well, such as The Chronicles of Narnia, Lion and Witch in the Wardrobe, both for children and adults. I'm talking about C.S. Lewis, and he knew what he was talking about when he said, I think this was in the 1940s, the frequent attempt to conceal mental health increases the burden. It's easier to say I have a toothache than to say my heart is broken. If you go into work tomorrow and you're at the water cooler or whatever, it's the kettle water cooler is very American, isn't it? We have kettles in, in our workplaces in Ireland. We don't need the water cooled. So you're at the kettle in the kitchen at work and you're chatting to some people and they ask you, how are you? And you say, my heart is broken. You know what they're going to do? They're going, okay, all the best now. If you say, I have a toothache, they're going to say, oh, I know, a good dentist. You see, it's so easy to say I have a toothache, but you can't say I'm having a panic attack. You can't say I'm having anxiety or I'm feeling depressed. That's kind of a strange thing to say. And you know, I can't do anything about out there, but we can do something about in here that we can declare it's okay not to be okay in here. Who'll say amen? amen? By the way, if you've come here to Ireland to live and work or study and... An Irish person comes up to you, I know some of you are bored with me saying this, but an Irish person comes up and says to you, how are you? Don't tell them how you are really, okay? That's not how it works. When an Irish person comes up and says, how are you? Or more likely, how's it going? The answer is grand. Say grand. Grand is how you answer. And grand, I was talking to a lady from Nigeria. She was saying in Nigeria, grand means fantastic, huge, absolutely opulent. It doesn't mean that here at all. Okay? Grand just means grand. <laughs> it just means you're okay, you're fine, you're chugging along. That's all it means. So when someone says, how are you? It's the same as someone saying, hi. That's all it is. So don't get... Um, feel rejected or think someone doesn't care if they don't kind of engage with you. They're not really asking you how you are. They're just saying hello, okay? I know, we're all screwed up in Ireland, aren't we? What can I say? What can I say? But in the Christian church, we should be able to talk. And it, there's, this is such a huge topic. I don't have time to go into everything. And you would all kill me if I kept on talking forever about it. But can I say there's a huge place for having good friends. Amen? 
and people you can trust that you can talk with. And the Bible encourages us to do that. There's also a big place for professional help. Doctors are there to help and sometimes our anxiety or our depression can be uh, a chemical imbalance and we might need help in a professional way. That's also totally legitimate. I really struggle with some extreme Christian groups who say, well, you're a Christian now and you have no problems. Where did they get that? Paul himself, the great writer of the New Testament, spoke at one stage how he despaired of life itself. Such was the trouble he had in his life. So don't let anyone tell you you don't need a doctor. Sometimes people do. But a lot of the time, what really works and what many of us need is to really connect into God and draw our strength from him. I'm telling you, I promise you, that is a huge part of how we can handle mental health. I'm going to look at one guy, and many of you will know him. It is the oldest book written in the Bible, the very first book written. So it's ancient. It's not at the start of the Old Testament. It's kind of in the middle. But the book of Job, you might see it as Job, but it's pronounced Job, was written. And it's about a man's journey. And I can't go into all the detail. Please read it yourself. It's it's a great book to read. But basically, when we see Job, we see he had a great life. And then he nearly lost his life. Such was the circumstances that dragged him down. But then he found his life again. He lost his health, like some perhaps here have. He lost his family. All his kids died. It's probably the worst thing anyone can encounter when a child dies. And he lost his money, his wealth. He had no income. But we know that everything he lost, God eventually restored. But I want to just focus on when this man, remember, he was a believer in the living God. Remember, we're told he prayed all the time. He was a good, strong believer. He didn't do anything wrong. Some people think that if they suffer from anxiety or depression, that it's like a judgment from God. You know what? Job didn't do anything wrong. Job was living a right life. And yet, I don't have time to go into it, but this stuff happened for a season. It's almost like a, st a season was stolen from him. Look at how low he got. He tells us in chapter 30, verse 15 to 17, if you're listening on the podcast, terrors overwhelm me. My dignity and safety are gone. They're vanishing like a cloud. And now I feel my life drift away. Days of suffering grip me. Night pierces my bones. My pain never seems to rest. I don't know that you get an awful lot lower than that. His kids are dead. He's really sick, no money left, and he's right down at the bottom of the pit. And so he pours out his complaint to God. And this is his declaration. And perhaps some of us here this afternoon maybe are in a place like this. Can I promise you, better days have yet to come in your life. The Lord is the one who heals. Everywhere Jesus Christ went, he healed. He delivered. He set people free. No Jesus, no miracles. If Jesus is there, there is miracles. There is no case too hard for him. We need to have a living faith in a living God. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. 
So this poor man goes down to this low place, perhaps as some here have done, or maybe it's something like it, or maybe you remember it from before. Let's look at the journey the man went through briefly. We're told in chapter 2 and verse 9 that his wife, the only one of the family who survived, she said, curse God, Job, and die. They're really great words for a wife or a husband to say to their partner. Why don't you just curse God and die? Now, the woman was obviously traumatized. She lost all her children. She was living in poverty and her husband was sick. So somewhere inside in her soul, she gave up. And this is what happens to many men and women. Something dies in our faith. We give up when things are hard. And she tries to get him to do this. She didn't really want him to do it. She was just expressing it. But his home was not a good place to be. He then goes on in chapter 3 and verse 11. And he says, why didn't I die at birth? I remember sitting with a man once and he said the same thing. The poor man. He was so low and struggling so much. He really said it would have been better if I died at birth. But that man was healed. Hallelujah. And he's strong and walking with God now. God can deliver every one of us. Praise his name. But Job felt that low. It goes on and say, he says in verse 26 of the same chapter, I have no peace. I have no rest. All I have is turmoil. If English isn't your first language, turmoil is an old English word and it really means um, stirred up, troubled. It's, it's, it's like a, a ship in a, in a storm at sea, tossed around. That's what turmoil is, no peace. And finally, he says in chapter 10 and verse 1, I hate my life bitterly. And sometimes depression can bring a man or a woman so low that you begin to hate your own life. And, you know, when you're in that place, you really need the Lord to bring you out of it. And he can bring you out of it. Because God is the life giver, not a life taker. He gives life. I'm not saying the day doesn't come when we go home to be with the Lord. But I'm talking a different situation here. So this is how low Job got. Do you know what happened? God restored Job's life again and Job came out of it but there was a critical moment where he really drew strength from God there was a hugely important moment where Job connected with the living God and what Job can do thousands of years ago you and I can do today in fact it's easier today because Jesus has died on the cross and just to sum it up in the last chapter Job says in verses 10 to 12 that after Job had prayed and connected with God in this way the Lord prospered him again and he blessed the second half of his life more than the first and I know the Holy Spirit is saying this to someone here the first half of your life has been difficult but God wants to bless the second half of your life more than the first hallelujah if you have a little seed a mustard seed of faith in your soul pray that because God tendency is to bless us in this way and so this is Job's experience don't think the Bible is all about happy people with smiles all the time yes the joy of the Lord is our strength but it's about real people who go through real struggles but they come out the other end because God is for them not against them and that is the hope of every Christian and the promise of every Christian
So Job was able to connect in with God in a meaningful way and he drew his strength from him and it's only then that he began to recover and then his life came together. So I'm going to conduct a social experiment here today. Are you up for that? Anyone else up for it? Honestly, it's not a trick question. I'm not going to make anyone do anything they're embarrassed but you have to be honest for it to work, okay? Mm, right. Mm. Okay, I'm going to talk about this, all right? I think almost everyone has a smartphone today. Let me ask a question. Let me tell you something that happened actually first. Last Tuesday, um, I, I had my phone as I carry it everywhere into work, and I was working upstairs in the office, and about four o'clock, I noticed the battery in my phone was really low. And I, I don't know why that was, because I, ch I charged it the night before. And normally Michael has his charger with him all the time in the bag. But, so sometimes I might use that. But he was on holidays, so I had no way to charge the phone. So as we were coming towards the, the gathering, the meeting here Tuesday night, I went up to a few adults in the church and I said, you don't happen to have a charger with you, do you? And they kind of looked at me as if I said, can I have a suite there? It's like, no, sorry, really, no. They really didn't care. It didn't bother them, you know. But then I went up to some of the teenagers and I said to the teenagers, look, my phone is nearly dead. Any of you happen to have a charger? And they all looked at me. <gasps> I said, your phone is nearly dead. And I got empathy. And I got sympathy. And, and we had a bond going on, you know what I mean? We were connecting, baby. And one of the, guy, one of the girls said, I will catch you a charger. And I don't know, she went off and she didn't have one, but she got a charger and she said, give me your phone, give me your phone. And she put the phone in down there in the corner, plugged it in and she said, your phone is charging, hallelujah, your phone is charging. <laughs> and it's almost like the teenagers really got where, now, you know, I grew up without a phone, but I think when you're serving and ministering, so much comes through the phone, you do need to have it with you. But they really got it in a way that the adults didn't. So just be honest here. How many people here regularly at a certain time of the day or night you charge your phone? Maybe you plug it in when you go to bed at night or you charge it on the way into work in the morning. How many people have a regular time daily where they charge the phone? Would you put up your hand? And I'm going to compare you with the earlier service. Okay, kind of similar. Maybe about nearly two-thirds of us charge our phone that way. How many people here charge their phone when it kind of hits like 20% or something like that? You kind of get the warning. How many people charge their phone then? Oh, you creative bunch, you. Okay, again, very similar. About a quarter of us. Okay, thank you guys. How many people here wait until it's below 5%, it's 3%, it's getting really low and then you charge it? Anyone? Let, let's, let's be honest. Well done. I see lots of teenage hands going up down here. Okay. I see more hands going up down here. And I see a very good, good. Confession is good for the soul. Okay. Excellent. So that's maybe 10% of us. Anybody here never bothers charging it until it dies? One, <gasps> only one hand. <laughs> well done. Thank you for being honest. God bless you. Why am I saying this? You know what? 
charging your mobile phone or your, your smartphone. If we don't charge it, it's going to die. The battery runs out. You know what? How about we charge our souls? Hmm? How about we regularly plug into the power that is the Holy Spirit and we draw strength from the Lord and that our spiritual battery, you see if our spiritual battery is charged, it impacts our mental health. The stronger we are spiritually, the stronger we will become mentally and emotionally. There are so many empirical studies to back up what I say, that people with a living faith who gather with a community have better mental health live longer and live healthier and if they sing into the bargain collectively they are absolutely blessed hallelujah do you know I often share about the Jews in the Old Testament they were always washing their hands because God said that before you eat food wash your hands and they didn't know why they were washing their hands they never heard of viruses or bacteria but they would regularly wash their hands. Even though they didn't know why they were doing it, they knew God wanted them to do it. And so they had less illness, live longer, etc., etc., way back then. It was only, what, 120 years ago they discovered about the beginnings of bacteria and viruses and all of that. You know, we meet together and we gather together because it feels good and we know God has called us to do it and we sing to the Lord, but you're actually benefiting your mental health and your physical health, and above all, your and my spiritual health. Hallelujah. That's what we're doing. So when we draw near to God, we charge our souls. I've done here, close down your apps. Dara, my daughter, was making that point to me when we were chatting about this, how some people just have a load of apps open on their phone. I do it myself sometimes. But if you have all the apps running, your phone is going to crash. And in the same way, if we've too much stuff going on in our lives, we're going to crash. It's, it's not that complicated. And if we're trying to have the cleanest house, and we're doing Irish step dancing, and Man United Supporters Club, and we're on the team with the school, and we're doing too much, or we've too many things on the go, you know what? There comes a time we just have to say, let's balance out here. You know what the Bible says? It says, keep one day in seven as a day for God and a day for rest. Now, you walk out in McCurtain Street right now. I know it's the Jazz Festival, but any Sunday, you go down to Patrick Street or over to Merchant's Quay, it might as well be Saturday or Wednesday or any day. So we're living in a society that no longer really respects the rhythm of rest. Six days you work. You've got six days to do it, but we need a day to rest. And we, that day of rest should also include the Lord and should include a Christian community as well as part of it. So we need to close down unnecessary stuff so that we can really be charged in our souls. So how do we do it? I love how David said in Psalm 36, God is our refuge and our strength. A very present help in troubled times. Therefore, we will not fear, even if the earth gives way and the mountains are moved and the oceans are wild. Salah. And here we see the reality that someone who has a faith in Jesus Christ can run to him, can connect to him, can be charged and recharged in our souls by him, no matter how troubled the times are, 
even if everything in our circumstances is difficult. Job didn't have a chemical imbalance, which some people have, but Job's depression was circumstantial. His situation was really difficult. And sometimes you and I in life go through a season where a lot of the things we're facing are really difficult. But we can turn to the Lord in a way that someone who doesn't have a faith cannot turn to the Lord. Hallelujah. And that last word is a Hebrew word, Salah. And you see it at the end of the Psalms and a lot of the versions of Scripture. It means pause and calmly think about that. If you know the Lord, you are a fortunate man or a fortunate woman. Because you and I can turn to him for help in troubled times. Who'll say amen? I get asked this question a lot, and it's about confusion. Some people um, say they can be so confused in their lives, they can't understand what's going on. Let me just quote a scripture from 1 Corinthians 14, 33. Or God does not bring confusion because he is a God of peace. Now, this was written into a church situation about a gathering, but the principle holds true right across the board. There's a huge difference between God is a God of mystery and confusion. Because God does not bring confusion, but God is and can be at times a God of mystery. Isaiah says that God's ways are far above our ways. If God is a God of mystery and we're going through a difficult time and we have anxiety or a bit of depression, it's very easy to stray into the territory that there's a whole load of confusion going on. But if you and I keep close to Jesus Christ, if we keep that um, connection with him, when we hit a difficult patch, we will be able to discern when God is mysteriously at work and it will bring life into our experience because we'll be able to understand, you know what, that door is closed now in my life but God has closed it for a purpose and I know he'll open the right door later on and so that sense of mystery rests peacefully with us but if we're not connecting with God and if we're distant from him, any time God is trying to work in your future or my future in a mysterious way, we'll misinterpret that as confusion and we'll start getting even more agitated. Can I plead and submit to everyone here? The more we stay close to the Lord, the less that is ever going to happen. Because God is not a God of confusion. And if you're looking at your life or something in the family or in your career or with your health or at school or college and you're confused, can I ask you to lay to the Lord and connect with him again and perhaps discern the mystery that's going on in your life and not some agitated confusion. Because God is not a God of confusion. The quality of life quality of life for you and me can be so different if we really have that living connection and relationship with the Lord. You don't have to be a Christian for decades. You don't have to know your Bible inside out. You just have to have a heart for God. It does help if you're bald, then you're doubly blessed. Hallelujah. And you really, <laughs> no, it doesn't. It doesn't matter 
male or female, black or white, young or old. It's about your heart and your willingness to connect. So we won't be confused, and this is a huge trigger in my experience with people going into anxiety and going into agitation. There's a fantastic chapter in chapter 31 in Proverbs. It's about the noble wife, it's called. And it's all about this lady who has a real relationship with God. And because her walk with God is right, her relationship with her husband and her kids is very healthy. I, I remember when Denise and I had our first, Denise was pregnant with our first child, I can remember the Lord spoke to me through this. And it said that this woman in Proverbs 31, her children will rise up and call her blessed. And it just comes from getting your balance right and getting your relationship with God right. But look at what it says about how she looked at her future. Strength and dignity are this woman's clothing. And she can laugh at the days to come. So in that culture where women did not have the same opportunities as today, everyone looked on and they saw her as having an inner strength. They saw her as having a dignity that can only come through a living relationship with the Lord. And she was able to look at the future and she wasn't laughing in an uncaring, arrogant way. This laughter was looking forward to the future with joy. How many of us today can say that? I am looking forward to my future with joy because I know God is for me. He is not against me. Hallelujah. You see, it comes back to that connection with God. You might think, this is very basic. Pray more and it'll be okay. You know what? Sometimes we need to go back to the basics. Amen. Sometimes we need to connect in with something that perhaps we've forgotten as we've been getting busy in life. Look at what Jesus Christ said. He said, I leave my peace with you, not like this world's peace. So don't let your hearts be troubled or afraid. I would say some of us here are afraid today. And I'd say more of us are troubled by something going on in our lives, at work, at home, wherever, in our bodies. But Jesus promises us, that he will leave us and he gives us. And if you look up the Greek, it's a continuous living giving. But it only works if we continually connect in with him. And this is his peace. The Hebrew word is shalom. And, and it, it means, it doesn't just mean there's no war going on. It means a deep blessing. It almost goes to the word we use today, prospering. And so God gives us this, and it is not what the world can give us. And I would very much be for people, some people need medication. There's nothing wrong with that. But you know, the best medication is Jesus Christ. He is the great physician. He is the God who heals us. Hallelujah. And we praise God for all the helps we have in this world. But he gives us a peace like no medication can ever give. He gives us a peace like no psychiatrist can ever give. And why wouldn't we avail of it? So it's there for the taking and it protects and it minds your mind and my mind. And it gives us an outlook on life and on the future that is a lot more healthy and balanced than it could be. Let me share one last scripture with you. And this is from the book of Isaiah. And I'm going to come towards a conclusion with this. When you go through the flood, I will be with you. This is the Lord talking. 
It will not overwhelm you. When you pass through the fire, you will not be burned and the flame will not consume you. I prophesy to some people here who feel they're going into a fire or a trial at work, at home, in front of the doctor, wherever it is, with an exam. Can you see this scripture on the screen? Come and connect with God again. And even if you've recently done it, let him charge your battery here and now and prepare you and prepare me for whatever we're facing so that we don't lose it. And so that awful sense of anxiety or panic or fear doesn't creep up on us. And remember, the evil one will try and whisper in our ear, the enemy of our souls. And he'll try and steal your peace and steal your mental health. Praise God for all of the things we can do to protect our mental health, and they are many. But I will always hold to the fact that the best help and the most important and the number one for any man or woman of faith is to come and have their soul charged again by God's Holy Spirit. Would anyone say amen? So brothers and sisters, how can we mind ourselves? We're going to sing a song if Stephen and the lads could come up. We're going to sing this beautiful song called Oceans. And it's all about how moving beyond the comfort zone. And even if we're in a situation and we're afraid we could drown. And I was in that situation myself very real number of years ago. The Lord won't let us drown. He will rescue us. If you feel in your mind today that something is not right, that you're troubled, that you're anxious, that you're panicking, can I ask you, don't do it alone. Don't suffer alone. Come on Tuesday night if you can. And we have a whole prayer and care team here who are willing to help. But right now, we can pray. So could everyone stand, please, as we come to the last just five or seven minutes of our service. We're going to sing this, and I'm going to give the opportunity for anyone here who wants to pray and who knows that you're in a safe place and you need your battery charged here and that'll bless your mind. Going to give our anxiety to the Lord. Give our panic to him. Let's sing. You call me out upon the waters. You call me out upon the waters.
let's close our eyes on stage and off stage. Let's give a bit of privacy to what the Holy Spirit may do. If this is very new to you and you've never come to that place of really trusting Jesus Christ in the way we're talking about today, you don't have to join anything or anyone. This is just you and the God who made you. So with every eye in the house closed, I'm the only one with my eyes open. If your eyes are open, you're really invading someone's privacy. I'm going to ask you if you want to pray that prayer. I'm going to pray it publicly. You can pray along yourself. Uh, we're going to do it together so no one's going to see it. But if you want to pray that prayer in total privacy, would you slip up a hand and then take it down? I see your hand, okay? And I see yours down the back. I see yours as well. And yours. And yours. And yours. Okay, I think we have six people want to pray the prayer. We're going to pray together. Could you pray after me, guys? Let's pray it in solidarity. I know many people have prayed it before, but for our six friends who put up their hands, let's pray together. Lord Jesus Christ, I open up my heart to you. On this day, I surrender to you. Forgive me my sins. Heal my soul. Give me a new future. A new chapter in my life. I want you to be my friend, my leader, and my savior. From this day forth and for eternity. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Will we give these six people a round of applause? God bless you guys. If you'd like to find out more about Next Steps, please call into our Connect Desk upstairs in the atrium. We'd love to connect more with you. If you have the newsletter, all of our contact details are there. We'd love to help you on your next steps. I'm going to pray for a wider group of people now, and that is for anyone here who knows the battery has been running low lately. Just be honest. Don't keep a mask on. Be real. It happens to me sometimes as well. Whether it's busyness, or maybe a season in your life was stolen, or maybe it goes way back to childhood and it keeps wearing your battery down so much. We're not going to distinguish any. But if you know your battery has been low and you need to charge your battery, your soul, spiritually today, could you slip up a hand? We want to pray that your soul would be charged. There's no trick in it. Yeah, slip, slip up your hand if that's you. We're going to sing the song again and I'm going to invite you to leave your seat. The last few minutes we have and come forward. We want to pray God's strength into you. Let's leave your seat and come forward.
Can I ask you guys to move up a little bit more and those of you down there, just move forward over this way so we're not leaving anyone out. We don't want anyone to feel left out. Can I ask the prayer and care team to come forward for those of you who are here and just lay hands on someone. These are our brothers and sisters who need God's touch today. Isn't it great? We have a place where we can get charged up again. Amen? Praise God. Can I ask every one of you here to lift your hands, not to me, but to the Lord. Now, what's the situation you're struggling with? Is it going way back to childhood? Or is it something that's facing you in your studies or in work or in your relationships? Just give it over to the Lord now. Jesus, as our hands are lifted up, we're laying it on the altar. Who'll say amen? amen. We give our struggle to you, Lord Jesus. And we pray as we stand here in your house this afternoon that you would begin a work of imparting the power of the Holy Spirit into our souls. Can you say amen to that? Now, go and ask every one of you to put your hand over your heart. Your heart is on the left-hand side. Just put your hand on the heart. For those of you in the congregation down there, if you feel like it, would you lift a hand and just stretch it forward just to, in solidarity with all the people here, just to pray God's power into their lives. So our hand is over our heart for every feeling, every memory, that's like a hangover or a shadow in our current lives. We invite you in, Holy Spirit. Would you begin a work of healing into that stolen season in our lives and help every man and woman here to recover in Jesus' name. Protect every emotion that we are going to have in the days to come and the nights to come. And we pray our feelings would be positive, would be strong, and would be godly as we keep close to you. Amen? Amen. Could you put your hands on your heads now, guys? If you want to do this down in the congregation as well, feel free to do it. You don't have to be in the top. So for every thought that comes into our minds about how we're going to deal with the past, or how we're going to face the future. As our head is on, as our hand is on our head, we pray, Lord Jesus, your Holy Spirit would guide our thoughts. We pray, Lord, you would help us to reject the thoughts that bring death and to embrace the thoughts that bring life. We pray at night we wouldn't have nightmares. We would have the dreams of heaven. We ask you, Lord Jesus, that what we begin to think would be positive and would be glorifying to you. We pray it would be good and praiseworthy and life-giving, oh God, so that our emotions and our thoughts would give glory to you and you would begin a healing and a charging in our souls, oh God. I'm going to ask you to do one more prayer and just lift both your hands to heaven. And if anyone wants to join in in the congregation, you're welcome as well. As we lift both our hands, we ask you, Lord, that on this day, the 27th day of October, the year of our Lord, 2019, that you would charge our souls. Some of us are at 50%, or 30%, or 10%, or 5 or 3 
or two maybe some of us are at zero we pray now oh god in the house of god that the holy spirit would start charging us here and now and that a healing would begin and that a deliverance would begin and that we would emerge from the shadow that is trying to drag us back oh god of life oh jesus of nazareth come and start charging us and protect us and give us hope for the future we pray oh god we ask you this day hallelujah I believe the Lord would speak to someone here and it is only in the last week or few weeks I saw a vision of, um, of a hole in the ground that was covered over by grass and sticks. It was a trap and someone set a trap for you and you fell into it and this morning is about you trying to get out of the trap that was set for you. It was like an ambush. I want to pray for you personally that God will deliver you from that. If that's you, would you lift up your right hand up high? Don't be ashamed. It's happened to all of us. Is there anyone identified with that word? Okay. So if you do, I, I see a few hands up here. Could I ask the other guys to go back to your seats? And those of you who identify with that, just stay up at the top here. We're going to pray deep into your soul. Could the prayer and care team come forward and pray for the guys here? So can you lift up your hands? Okay, we've got three people here. Praise God. Four. Let's just pray. Hallelujah. Can I ask everyone here just to, the last few minutes, just pray with these. For each one of those who've come up here in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, we pray now, Lord, that that trap, that ambush, that our sister has fallen through. We pray deliverance in the name of Jesus. We bind every demon of hell that tried to put you there. And we say today you are set free in Jesus' name. Come most Holy Spirit, deliver our sister from that trap, from that pit. Let it be like Job, delivered, O oh God, and totally set free from everything that the evil one would try and trap them with. We pray liberty into your life in the name of Jesus and the people of God with a loud voice said, Amen. Hallelujah. May God deliver you and bless you and keep you. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Can we sing the song one last time, guys, as we go back to our seats before we close? Let's sing it as a declaration and then we close in just one or two minutes. Praise God. Grace abounds the deepest water. Your sovereign hand will be my guide. Who fear me, fail, face around me. You never fail, and you won't stop now. I will call upon. Call upon your 
emotions arise, my soul in your embrace. So we pray, O oh God, that not one man or woman in this place would sink beneath those waters, that every one of us would see even now and catch a glimpse, even like that woman in the book of Proverbs, where strength and dignity are our clothing and where we can have a joy, even laugh at the future. And still within our minds and hearts, O oh God, that hope for the future. And may we bring something of this atmosphere of life into our homes and into our workplaces and our schools, both today and for the week ahead. We pray that for us and for the people we love. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you for coming, guys. We have coffee upstairs in the atrium. The band are going to play us out. You're welcome to hang on, or may God bless your week ahead if you have to go. Thank you, Steve.